0: Hi I'm Ainsley Bullion and this is the Weekly Wrap on this day the 10th of March 2017. Australian dollars gold is sitting at 16.01 and silver at $22.61 with the Aussie dollar at 75.1. So this week saw both gold and silver down for the week despite a lower Aussie dollar. Silver took more of a hit and that gold to silver ratio is back up near 71. In US spot we saw silver down now below $17. The market was dominated by expectations of a March rate hike with shares, bonds and gold drifting lower as the odds of the March rate hike became essentially certain, though all eyes are on tonight's NFP employment numbers for final confirmation. Indeed, last night saw gold momentarily dip below 1200 dollars and 8 straight days down, and likewise saw 10-year US Treasuries fall 9 straight days, something not seen since 1974, and those rising yields adding pressure to debt markets. Only a late little rally saw so the Dow avoid six days down too. It's longer since the election. The hero at the moment is of course the US dollar, now up to 115. In seeming complete contradiction to the rate hike on a strong recovery narrative, we saw the Atlanta Fed revised down their Q1 GDP estimate twice from the already revised down 1.8% we reported last week to 1.3% and then again down to just 1.2% on more weak economic data. Just remember that estimate was more than twice that at 2.7 just a month ago and 3% at the beginning of the year. If you haven't read yesterday's warning from Jim Rickards, I urge you to do so. There were a few data prints out this week. Firstly, the US trade deficit for January ballooned from $44.3 billion in December to $48.5 billion in January. That's the biggest trade deficit in over five years. Trump's plans for manufacturing to make America great again are clearly being frustrated by a high US dollar that is only going to go higher with a Fed rate hike. This was reinforced by January's final wholesale inventories printing 0.2% decline, worse than expected, the weakest in a year and in stark contrast to the surging November and December prints and wholesale sales fell 0.3% in January as well. And again, this flowed through to the workers, with US worker productivity also coming off those encouraging numbers late last year, with Q4 growth slowing to just 1.3%, below the 1.5 expectations, and when combined with unit labour costs remaining subdued at just 1.7%, we saw real compensation fall 0.4% in Q4, and manufacturing employee hours dropping the most since 2015. But despite all of this, the rate hike now seems baked in the cake, helped along by February's ADP employment print surging higher to 298000 well above expectations and the third biggest monthly employment gain since the GFC. So it would be an absolute surprise for the NFP, to print, uh, NFP print to be disappointing. Finally, out of the US, last night it was reported that Trump is committed to reinstating the Glass-Steagall Act that prohibits banks from speculative investment that was repealed in 1999 by Bill Clinton. This saw bank shares plummet last night. In China, we saw their annual economic summit, otherwise known as the Two Sessions, where they decreased their growth rate target to a still stellar 6.5%. Remember, China always miraculously hits their target through a widely understood mix of debt, fuel and false data, so it is all taken with a grain of salt. That said, even this year's 6.7% was the slowest growth in a quarter of a century, and when you are the size of China, a further slowdown is still a big deal even if it is still three times faster than the Western world. However, just as we reported during the week that last year in Australia has seen $5 in new debt for every $1 of GDP, and today we discussed the US needing likewise in a 4-1, to one, the I.F. reported this week that China's debt to GDP is now an incredible 300% and growing fast. They also said that they will increase money supply by 12% down from 13% in 2016. In a warning sign to Australia, President Lee committed to efforts to reduce excess capacity in the steel and coal sectors, pare down corporate debt and make housing affordable for first time buyers. The changes are likely to be slow however, as he says, stability is of overriding importance. There was the now usual claims that they are looking to grow on domestic demand rather than exports as well. In a clear swipe at Trump, he cited the challenge posed by deglobalisation, protectionism and what he delicately delicately called uncertainties about the direction of other major economies. Cough, cough, the USA. There were some serious inflation warnings out of China this week, however, as after four and a half years of deflation, producer prices continued to soar, with the February PPI rising and eye-watering 7.8% year-over-year, year, the most since the GFC, and with consumer prices rising just 0.8% year-on-year year, in the same month, a real squeeze on margins. Music to Mr Trump's ears, I'd suggest, but yet another warning sign to the world of coming inflation. The week saw us learn that as at the end of 2016, China's banking system overtook the Eurozone as the world's biggest, at a whopping $33 trillion in size. That's more than 3.1 times the size of their annual economic output. It includes the three biggest banks in the world, but not China's massive and largely unregulated shadow banking system. For context, Eurozone is 31 trillion, the US 16 trillion, and Japan 7. Before leaving China, we saw gold demand via the Shanghai Gold Exchange for February come in at a very healthy 179 tonne. But going back to Eurobanks, their biggest Deutsche Bank, never long out of the headlines for its fragility, saw its shares slide over 10% during the week as concern mounted about the health of it, its health after it announced the need for an $8.5 billion capital call. This came as we saw a number of weak corporate earnings reports out of the EU, with the biggest fall in German industrial orders since the depths of the GFC, slumping 7.4% in January, nearly three times worse than expectations of a 2.5% fall. There were glimmers of hope for the EU surviving the multiple political threats of more exits as the polls showed the Freedom Party losing more ground ahead of next week's Netherlands elections and Macron urging closer to Le Pen in France at 26 and 25% respectively. Speaking of exiting the, uh, the Union, Theresa May learned again the Brexit isn't going to be painless as she again got voted down in Parliament, with its members wanting the ability to reject the final terms of Britain's exit, leaving the door open for the EU to make that attractive. Last night the ECB met and it was another dovish outcome with Draghi seeing rates at the present or lower level for an extended time and well past the end of their QE program, a program he sees running until they see a sustained inflation pickup which is not expected anytime soon. At home, we saw our Aussie rates on hold at 1.5% as the RBA remains stuck between a rock and a hard place, as the economy looks good to the layman, weak to the more enlightened, and the property bubble a big sledgehammer at the ready. Finally, let me leave you with a quote for yesterday from Bill Gross, ex-head of PINCO, the world's largest bond fund manager. Our financial system is a truckload of nitroglycerin on a bumpy road. We'll catch you next week and remember, balance your wealth in an unbalanced world.